Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Reading today from John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they said to him, Who is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. The word of the Lord. Hey, it is good to see everyone here. When I last saw you, uh, we were walking through water. Do you remember that last Sunday? Huh? It was, and now we get a, a remodel. Isn't that wonderful? Huh? Unexpected things happen. Hey, things are right on course and, uh, we're drying out all of the drywall and the, the, the timber in there and everything is just soaking wet up into the walls and, but it's going to all dry out, and then it's going to all be repaired. And and by the way, some of you have said, uh, you know, are, are we ever going to fix the earthquake damage? And I'm glad you asked. Yes, we just had another meeting with FEMA and the state this week. And bids are going out to uh, contractors. And then soon we'll begin our earthquake repair as well. So there's lots of things going on here at the church. Good things. Uh, and we're just being patient in all of them. And we are um, looking to see what the Lord has for us in all these things, right? Now, some of you have remarked on my shirt. My shirt. Some of you in the back can't see it. It is um, all these skiers in various states of crashing and falling. <laughs> and so I was joking earlier, this shirt is brought to you by Anchorage Orthopedic Fracture Clinic, <laughs> Right? No, no, actually, I got it on sale. It was like a $60 shirt uh, for $19, and I, I snagged it, right? And so, Jen, you call this shirt uh, the agony of defeat. I call it the thrill of shopping victory, okay? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, hey, it is so good to be with you again this morning as we continue our series entitled 2020 vision. We want to begin the year 2020 with 
2020 spiritual vision. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus and we want to have him clearly in view uh, in our lives, in the life of our church, in all that we do. Uh, we want to make sure that Jesus is right there in, in the center of our view. Okay, so important that we give him the place where he belongs. And so uh, last week we began uh, talking about uh, seven I am statements that Jesus uses to identify uh, himself. And so if we want to fix our eyes clearly on Jesus, if we want to have 2020 spiritual vision, what better then to study what Jesus has to say about himself? So that we have a clear understanding of, of who he is and what he came to do and what that means for us. Um, and so we're going to continue this morning and we're going to look at the second uh, I am of Jesus. Now, before we do that, I want to share with you a story. Uh, back in the days when I was a junior high uh, youth director, uh, I did a lot of things back then. I, I did junior high. Uh, I was a part-time church custodian. Uh, and I was a part-time chaplain in the L.A. County Jail. And on Sunday mornings, I'd often show up early at the jail, conduct a service in the chapel, and then rush back to church uh, to do the junior high class on Sunday mornings. Uh, and it was on one of those mornings where I was conducting the service. The service ended, but then there was a lockdown in the jail. And when there's a lockdown, nobody comes in and nobody comes out. And that was long before the days of cell phones. And if we had them, they probably wouldn't allow us to bring them in to a secured area like that. So there was no way of letting Lori know I wasn't going to be there uh, to teach Sunday school to junior hires. Well, it just so happened that the verse that uh, we were teaching on that morning was John 8, 12. The verse we're looking at today where Jesus identifies himself and says, I am the light of the world. And so here's Lori teaching a Sunday school class that she really wasn't prepared to teach. And she's just doing the best she can. And of course, you know that junior hires, if you want to make a point, you either gross them out or you use some kind of potty humor or something. And, and right, they really get into it and it makes the point. And so Lori is, is teaching on this verse. Jesus is on the light of the world. And uh, uh, those uh, who follow me uh, will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so G Lori is thinking about, how am I going to really drive this home? And so she uses this illustration. She says, have you ever been in a room or a kitchen where it's dark, and you turn on a light, and there are cockroaches? And the minute you turn on the light, what do the roaches do? They scatter. They don't like the light. They're repelled by the light. They want to hide in the darkness. And so Lori, trying to make the connection with the junior hires, said, if you 
run away from Jesus, who's the light of the world. You're like a cockroach. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, oh, no. My junior high ministry is going to be very short-lived, right? I was waiting for the phone calls to come from the parents. Your wife called my son. Your wife called my daughter a cockroach, right? Um, No, Lori didn't call them a cockroach. She said, don't be like a cockroach. Uh, But anyway... We, we got through that one, okay? And uh, really, uh, that's the theme uh, of our passage this morning. Uh, Jesus, the light of the world, he comes. He invites people to follow him. Those who follow him will not walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. That's John eight twelve. It's interesting. I came across a quote. I want to share it with you. We can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. Isn't that interesting? You think about that. Now, I want want you to take a guess. Who said that? Anybody? Huh? C.S. Lewis? No? Good guess. Anybody else? Martin Luther, good guess. All right. Someone long before Jesus' time, a Greek philosopher named Plato. And when did Plato live, Stephen Lochner? Is that amazing? Huh? Philosophy major. Way to go, all right? So he lived several hundred years Uh, before the time of Jesus. And yet, really, as children, we grow up being afraid of the dark. In reality, I guess we should always be afraid of the dark in a spiritual sense. But as Plato points out, the real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. And that's exactly what's going on in the context of our chapter today in John chapter 8. Now, to really understand and, and to really make the point that Jesus is making, we really need to go back a few chapters in the book of John. So in John chapter 4, Jesus has an encounter uh, with a woman at the well. And he talks about living water, water that once you drink from it, you'll never thirst again. Then in John chapter 5, he heals a paralyzed man. Not only does he heal that paralyzed man, But he heals that man on what day? The Sabbath. Okay? Now, great conversation with the woman in the well. Wonderful miracle. Jesus now has quite a following. Wherever he goes, the throngs of people are after him. And in John chapter 6, where we were last week, uh, Jesus performs a miracle. He feeds the multitudes. Uh, and then afterwards, he, he takes, and this all happens during Passover, and he takes uh, the celebration of Passover and the connection with the Jewish people of the Passover and remembering and celebrating God who brought them out of the captivity 
writes the captivity of Egypt and through the wilderness. And in the wilderness, God provided the Jewish people, what? Manna from heaven. And Jesus now is going to take Passover. He's going to take the tradition and the history of the Jewish people that they're all familiar with. And he's going to use it to describe himself. He's going to interject himself in it. And in John chapter 6, he says, Listen, I am the bread of life. I am God's sustenance for you. I am the one who gives nourishment for your soul. I'm He. All of those things were prefigured me, were, were, were meant to point towards me, but here I am. I am the manna. I am the bread of life. Now, if we were to read on in John chapter 6, that really stirs up the crowd. And they begin to debate about Jesus and his identity. And as the debate goes on, Jesus further illustrates uh, who he is using uh, the imagery of the bread uh, and the consumption of bread. And, and that's just so much, too much for the people. And this really marks, in John's gospel, a point where up until this time, Jesus is gaining momentum. The crowds are following. They love the miracles. But once Jesus starts talking about the reality of who he is and linking it to uh, Jewish celebrations, customs, uh, etc., when the people start to say, mm, I'm not quite so sure. And the sixth chapter of John ends with people walking away from Jesus. So much so that Jesus looks at his disciples and says, are you going to leave me too? Are, are, are you going to go? And of course, what, is, what does Peter say? Lord, to whom shall we go? For you alone have the words of eternal life. Now, let's fast forward from spring to the fall. And that's where John chapter 7 begins. To understand really what Jesus is saying in John chapter 8 about being the light of the world, you have to understand it in the context of John chapter 7. Because the first part of John chapter 8 is really a continuation of John chapter 7. What's going on? It is the, uh, the, the celebration or the festival of tabernacle. Okay? It is a celebration of the trees and the vines that takes place in the fall. About mid-October. About the time of the autumn equinox when there's an equal amount of sunlight and darkness. And this is a big eight-day festival. It's one of three really big ones that uh, Jewish men were expected to attend. And so at this festival, at this uh, tabernacle in Jerusalem, you had Jewish pilgrims from, from all over that were coming here for this, for this event, this eight-day event. And, uh, of course, uh, you may be familiar with a custom uh, that they would actually, uh, the people, the Jewish people there, would actually build uh, like a booth or, or a, a little dwelling place made of 
palm branches and other kinds of branches uh, to commemorate and to remember the wilderness wanderings in which God was faithful to them. And of course, during those times, they needed water and they needed light and God was faithful to provide both of those things. You remember in the wilderness, the water came and flowed from the rock and the light, what? Led them by night. And then they crossed over into the promised land and it was a land flowing with milk and honey and God was faithful to provide rain and to provide sun and light for their crops, for their harvest. And so, tabernacle, they're remembering all these things and they're celebrating all these things. This is what's going on. And into this event, Jesus, once again, is going to interject himself. Now, in John chapter 7, if you look here at Verses 37 and 38. There it is. Let me give you, let me give you the setting here to really understand the emphasis and, and, and what Jesus is, is saying and how it impacted the people that were listening. During Tabernacle, there were rituals that centered around water and light. Okay? Now both are necessary for a good harvest. Isn't that true? Alright? And there was a water ceremony where every day during this eight-day festival, the, the priests would take golden water containers and they'd go down to the pool of Siloam and they'd draw water from there and there would be a procession back to the temple to the altar where they would literally pour the water out down from the altar. As they poured the water out from the altar, there were three trumpet blasts. And then the people would quote Isaiah 12, 3, and this is what it says. With joy you will draw water from the well of salvation. Okay? With joy, you will draw water from the well of salvation. So imagine, all people gathered, this ritual, this is the last day of the festival of tabernacle. The priests come, the trumpets blow, the water's poured out. They quote from Isaiah, and then Jesus says this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. I mean, can, I mean, can you, can you, can you imagine that? I mean, it's like the Super Bowl. And Jesus takes center field and says, I'm the touchdown of life. Right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, who is this guy? 
What is he doing? What is he saying? And so this is what Jesus does. Uh, just an amazing proclamation. Well, now, he's not only referring to like your immediate, but he's, he's also looking forward to what this festival represented in the pouring of the water, and you're going to see light here in a second. It really refers to Zechariah chapter 14. And in Zechariah chapter 14, it is the day of the Lord. It is the day of the Messiah's coming, right? And this is what it says. There will be, it will be a unique day, a day known only to the Lord with no distinction between day and night. Check this out. When evening comes, there will be light. And on that day, living water will flow out of Jerusalem. Half of it to the east to the Dead Sea, and half of it west to the Mediterranean in summer and in winter. Jesus says, I'm that water. I'm that water. I'm him. Right? Right in the middle of the festival. And so what happens? Controversy again. You know, wherever Jesus goes, there's controversy, right? He stirs things up. And they start arguing and debating about his identity, about who he is. And, and the scripture says that, that some people are convinced and want to follow him, while others, they challenge him and, and they don't believe. But finally, the religious leaders give the guards the order to arrest him. But as chapter 7 ends, the guard comes back and they say, well, how come you haven't arrested Jesus? He says, listen, no one has ever taught the way this man teaches. We've never heard anyone teach the scriptures. We've never heard anyone speak with such authority. It's like, I'm going to touch him. Not only that, what would the crowd think, right? So that's what's going on. Now, it's still that last day. And in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, now you have this little interlude. And the interlude here uh, is uh, the woman caught in adultery, where Jesus gets down and he writes in the dust, and he says, you know, the person without sin, let them cast the first stone, right? Well, that, those 11 verses really are absent in most of the earliest transcripts. Did you know that? That was, that was added a little bit later. Now, if you remove that, chapter 7 flows beautifully into chapter 8. It's the same event. It's the same last day, right, of this festival. And now, let me tell you about the light. In this festival, in the court of women where the treasury was, now the court of women is where both men and women could gather. Jesus is teaching. And it's also where the treasury is because, you know, the money of both men and women is welcome in the temple treasury. Right? 
Jesus' teaching. And as a part of this festival, the celebration of light, there are four stands. And on each of these big giant stands are four golden bowls filled with oil. And they have wicks on them made from the used undergarments of the priests. Right? Nothing goes to waste. And what would happen is they would light 16. Now, there's 16 of these bowls, right? Four on four big giant stands. And they would light them at night. And as they, as they were lit, it was said you could see them from miles around. They literally illuminated the whole city of Jerusalem. And the glow of the light on the limestone, the walls... They said it was like just this tremendous experience and event. And the people, when it was lit, they would celebrate and they would dance and they would sing. Remembering God's light, faithful to guide them and lead them in the wilderness. The same God whose light is promised to them now. And it's in that context that Jesus who had just said I'm the living water right now in 8.12 says I am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life okay that's what Jesus says now in this one verse, Jesus says, I am. I am everything that this is intended to represent. I am. I am that light. Okay? He's going to go on to say, I'm a light that comes from heaven. That will never be extinguished. And he says this, he says, whoever follows me, in, in the language that this is written in, that, that whoever follows me is more than uh, I'm getting behind Jen or I'm getting behind Pastor Ed and, and, and I'm following them as they go somewhere. What it literally means is that following me here means literally is a part of me. Is connected to me. That's what he's saying. That, that's the connection here. That's the commitment that, that Jesus is saying. The person who, who is connected to me, whose life enters into my life, my life enters into theirs. There's that closeness. That's that intimacy. He says, they will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, who's the light of life? Jesus. Jesus is the light of life. Now the Pharisees are going to challenge that. They're going to challenge that. And it's going to be around his authority. Remember, he's been teaching with authority like no one they've ever heard. So now they're going to challenge his authority. Well, what, by what authority do you say this? You know, in the law of Moses, you have to have two witnesses. 
and you're just witnessing to yourself. So they're challenging him that way. I want you to listen to what he does. In verse 14, he says, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. And then they asked him, well, who is your father? Where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offering were put, that's the court of women, yet no one seized him because his hour had not come. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I come from the Father, I speak for the Father, I'm going to the Father, I'm one with the Father. That's exactly what he's saying to answer, well, by whose authority do you give testimony? Jesus speaks from God, for God, and Jesus speaks as God. Is it any reason they get a little upset? Right? Uh, The controversy uh, is going to continue. Now, it's very interesting. If you read on, which I encourage you to do, chapter 8 is going to end, and chapter 9 is going to begin... And do you remember what happens in chapter 9? Jesus brings light to the blind man. And so now literally, Jesus is going to perform a miracle that's going to demonstrate the truth in a physical way of what he's claiming and saying here at the, at the tabernacle. He is going to bring sight to a person who ostensibly right, is blind, bring light, and the ones who are supposed to be sighted, those are the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the teachers, the scribes, they're the ones that are supposed to see, yet he's going to juxtapose them to the formerly blind man and saying, this one was blind, but he can see, and you're supposed to be able to see it, you're blind. Because you're missing the whole point of what I'm saying about myself. You see that? Jesus allows us to distinguish truth from falsehood. God's wisdom from the foolish wisdom of human beings. Jesus is the one who reveals that truth, God's truth, and then is the one who leads, gives direction to our lives from that truth. Do you see that? Light is so important. In John's Gospel, 16 times he connects Jesus with the imagery of light. That's just in his Gospel. 
but it's so important to the Jewish people. Let me just give you a rundown really quick. Really, really quick. Genesis 1, 3 through 4. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, if you read on to verse 4, it says, and God saw that it was good and separated light from darkness. So the very first act of creation, what was there? Light. Jesus is who? Colossians says, all things were created by him, for him. And all things hold together, right? In his hand. Next one. I love this. This is so cool. Exodus 13, 21 through 22. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So they could travel by day or by night, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And the same is true of Jesus. When Jesus is the light of the world and you come to him and you are united with him, that that light is in you. You have the light of life. And it's that life that will never leave you. It's that life that will always guide you. It's that life that will reveal truth from falsehood. It is a life that you can depend upon to guide you faithfully all the days of your life. Psalm 27.1 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 119.105 Your word is a lamp for my feet. And what? A light on my path. Now let's get into John's gospel. John 1, verses 4 through 5. In him, speaking of Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The only way to overcome the darkness that prevails in the world around us in which we live is the light of Jesus in us. There is no light outside of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying here at the celebration at the tabernacles. There's no light apart from me. Without me, you live and walk in darkness. You can't tell truth from falsehood. You don't have a source of direction for your life that's foolproof and failproof if you don't have me. And then, John 3, 19 through 21, which, by the way, in John chapter 7 Nicodemus comes to defense of Jesus. Well, Nicodemus had had an encounter with Jesus in John chapter 3. But this is what Jesus says. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Do you understand? The light exposes darkness. Light exposes evil. The Word of God, Jesus is a living 
word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides joint from marrow and it discerns the intentions of the heart. Jesus, the light of the world, the light of life, exposes the hearts, the intentions, the deeds of people. That's why some people are afraid of the light. Jesus goes on. Everyone who does evil hates the light. In Lori's word, they're cockroaches. Right? They hate the light and will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. But, all right, this is great. But, are you ready? Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Wow. God's light exposes the deeds, the hearts, the intentions of our lives. And then finally, 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him to declare to you. Are you ready? God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all of our sin. Do you remember the song? I have a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk, John chapter 4, and the blind to see, John chapter 9, right? Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I have a river of life flowing out of me. And so, let your light shine. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven.